County back here. So I've got a little cough today back here at Emerald Scientific Conference. Pleased to be joined by brother And we are pleased to be joined by another wonderful guest, uh, Chris Gunning, the Director of Operational Excellence. It's a nice title. From the American Associations for Laboratory Accreditation, A2LA. Correct. Did I get that all right? You got it. That, that was a lot for me to say. Was, <laughs> I passed the test. How are you doing? Doing great. Loving yeah. it out here. <clears throat> How's your conference going? Very good. Very good. Yeah. Well, we do a lot of different conferences, but this is one of our favorites because it's attended by more of the scientific-minded individuals. Right. Your people. Yeah. Your peers. We do MJ BizCon too, a huge show, but this is much more centralized to what we do. Yeah. And uh, and what is it that you do? So we, as an association, we're a nonprofit that accredits laboratories around the world to different international standards. So we accredit close to 5,000 individual entities right oh, now. Wow. But in this space, specifically, we're accrediting cannabis and hemp testing laboratories. And for the most part, when states legalize, they have to put a regula regulatory framework in place. And what we advise them to do is say, all right, at least if you're testing cannabis or hemp, you have to show a minimum competency, and that is to the international standard 17025. So as an organization, we have technical experts spread throughout the country, and we will send them into the laboratories and do what we will call an assessment to the requirements of 17025, making sure they can run potency by HPLC, they can do um, terpenes, they can do pesticides, they can do moisture content. Competently, they have staff that are trained well to do it, mm -hmm. to give some legitimacy to the laboratory that's now saying now we're accredited. And then that laboratory uses the accreditation to get licensed by the state to test samples. And, and what is 17025? So 17025 is an international standard. It's specifically for testing and calibration laboratories. So any lab that does any type of testing can fall under 17025. So in that we have food testing laboratories, we have water testing, we have mechanical testing, automotive, any type of testing. <clears throat> but it was adopted by the cannabis industry to say, yes, we want a legitimate the testing of our product by saying we're going to use 17025 as well. Excuse my lack of expertise, but who wrote 17205? So it is an international standard written by, it's called ISO. ISO, okay, well, yes. we should know this. Our viewers need to know what how this all works. Mm -hmm. It's an internet, ISO, ISO, the International Standards Organization. It's a consensus writing body formed by experts from around the world right. that will convene to write a standard and in this case, 17025 was written way back, well before I started with A2LA. Right. But it gets, it was revised in 2005 and more recently in 2017 to be a little more rigorous. But there are many different standards that ISO does write. Like you have at this conference, you also have reference material producers that are accredited to a different ISO standard. You have proficiency testing providers that are accredited to another ISO standard. We're involved in all of those, but... Our bread and butter is 17025 in this industry. So what is your, <clears throat> so you're the director of, oh, sorry, you had director of operational excellence. What is that, what does that job entail? What, is, what does that mean? It's, it's a little interesting because I, ju I just sounds? took that role two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, so what we. Are you the inspector? <laughs> <laughs> now what, what we decided as, as A2LA is 
we really wanted to commit to our own quality in-house. So we, we, have, we employ roughly 300 contracted assessors around the world. We have our own documents that we have to follow. We have 80 staff in-house that we want to make sure they're doing their jobs well. So I'm kind of now in charge of all of our assessors, the training of all of our staff. We also have a, a partner company that uh, we can refer organizations that need training to. It's called A2LA Workplace Training. So I liaison with that company as well. But for 14 years with A2LA up until now, I was a general manager of accreditation services. So I was responsible for all of the life sciences labs, so biological, chemical, medical, cannabis, anything in the life sciences. We had roughly close to 1,500 organizations accredited just in the life sciences. So that was my background because I'm a biologist by training with a oh, chemistry yes. minor. So it all kind of flowed easily into cannabis because I was doing a lot of work with food testing laboratories and then cannabis kind of followed on the tails of, of food <coughs> testing. Mm-hmm. How many cannabis uh, laboratories do you guys work with? We have, right now it's, it's between 140 and 150. And that's in how many states? All states that have legalized so far, we have a presence in, uh, except for, I believe, Mississippi. There's only one lab accredited in Mississippi right He's now. He's here. He was yeah. in that chair a few we minutes just, ago. We just I met him. saw him talking can, this morning. We'll tell him to talk to you. Apparently, he's, you know, the, the gateway. Rapid there. analytical. There we go. <laughs> yeah, so How come he's not accredited? They are accredited, but there are more than one accreditation body in the United oh, States. Not to us. You're the only one. <laughs> we appreciate that. We wouldn't cheat on you that fast. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, no, we, we like you. Are there, is there more than one accreditation? How does that work? So there are multiple accreditation bodies <coughs> in the United States that consumers can choose from. But one standard. One standard. Ah. So we all accredit to the same standard. And in fact, the United States is one of the only countries in the world where there is competition between accreditation bodies. Competition is good, though. It is. Yeah. In most, and it's very good because if you're in another country, generally accreditation is run by the government. It's a government entity that will accredit you, and they don't have to treat you well because they're the only ones there. Right. So competition the is good States, in the United States. You can have Inspector Gunning show up faster because he <laughs> knows somebody else might show up right behind him if he doesn't come there quickly. We do have to treat our customers well, and that's something we pride ourselves on and, right. and why we're the largest uh, in the United States. Excellent. So yep. so how many labs are there, do you think, in the United States now? I mean, Cannabis labs that, that are accredited, I would say... <laughs> Roughly 350. 350. And how many do you think is a lot of unaccredited labs? I wonder. There are because there are states that don't require accreditation. Oh, there are. Yes. There are states that say you don't have, they don't come out and say you don't have to be accredited to 17025, but they haven't set that baseline yet. Okay. So we're, we do have a government relations arm within A2LA that we have a lobbyist uh, that does lobby the states to set that minimum bar because you want to say, any state that's legalized, you want to say that product you have confidence in. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going into a state that doesn't require accredited testing, as I am, am I confident in that product as I am in another state that I know that product, I know the THC content is correct, I know it doesn't have pesticides. Backed by science. Yeah. Is it like a one-time accreditation or an ongoing check-ins? We go on-site every two years, at least every two years. And the, and the labs pay for this? They do. Is it expensive? I mean, so I mean, I can give you a ballpark figure. So, 
if you're the typical lab that's doing THC, you're doing pesticides, you're doing microtoxins, residual solvents, you're looking at roughly a three-day assessment in the ballpark of somewhere between five and $10,000. Okay. And then they maintain that every two years. In, in the off year, we do a, a desk assessment, so they still have to send us in data for us to review, but we don't go on site every two years, except for every two years. And what kind of things are you guys looking for? Like, what are the dings? What are the... Have, do you ever unaccredit somebody? Well, we, we do have the ability What's the worst case scenario to, here? we can revoke accreditation. We can suspend oh, wow. accreditation. We can't shut businesses down. We're not a regulatory authority. <clears throat> but we can, we, we've had examples specifically in this industry where there are some bad apples out there that are, right. are doing things a little under the table, specifically with THC content, where if I'm a grower, I would, might send my sample to multiple testing labs, seeing who will give me the highest THC content. Right. Uh, so, so there are situations like that. And when we go in, they have to back up the results with actual data. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they can't be throwing out a THC content that they can't back up with physical data to show that they ran some quality control with it to, to legitimize the answer that they're giving to that grower. But they can fake the data. If they wanted to fake the data, they could fake the data, right? Well, I mean, that's, that's they can, but, but it's usually traceable on the instrument somewhere. Oh. Most yeah. of the, you talk to the instrument manufacturers here, all their instruments have audit trails and, and our assessors that we send out know what they're looking for. So when an assessor does go out the first day, they're typically just looking, does this laboratory have a quality management system? Do they have <coughs> clearly written SOPs? Do they do audits of themselves? That operational excellence. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> And then we get into the specific methods that they want to be accredited for. We will watch their technicians perform right. those methods, go through all the steps, because we send out experts. Yes. All of our contracted assessors have at least 10 years of bench experience in anything that they'll be auditing. So they know the methods inside and out. They're there to make sure that the staff are competent. And so when they find problems, we call them deficiencies. And then the lab has a chance to correct their deficiencies, go back and forth with A2LA, and then they can receive their accreditation or renew their accreditation for another two years. Yeah. You know, as I'm listening to you, for some reason, I keep thinking to myself, this is the reason why the matrix will work. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good thing or it's a bad thing, but I can feel something here. So it's, I, I drift on, I have these tangents. I have these, I have these dreams. It's, it's very obscure. So <laughs> a, anyways, but go, going back to what you guys do. So what, what's like the worst thing that you ever experienced in regards to the, the laboratories, not just in the cannabis industry? So, do you have any like horror stories? Like you wouldn't believe this happened? Worst, we like those stories. Worst thing is what we call dry labbing. <laughs> dry labbing? Yes. We'll that go into good. a laboratory and they'll, they will be producing results on a regular basis, but they never actually ran the sample. They have no traceable evidence that they ever even received a sample, let mm-hmm. alone run it. So they're giving samples out. They're charging their customers without ever running a sample. So that's what's called dry, la- dry labbing. Right. We also have data manipulation, which can be done if you're familiar with gas chromatography or, or liquid chromatography. You're basically looking for a peak, telling you how concentrated a cannabinoid is or uh, any different analyte. You can manipulate that data after the, it comes off the chromatogram. And if, unless you know specifically what you're looking for, most people won't catch that. Mm. But that's what we send our assessors in to look at that data in depth and make sure that if they're manipulating that, especially in the pharmaceutical industry, you don't want to know that 
the concentration of what you're taking in those pills is correct, it it can mess up clinical trials. Right. So, yeah. It's about that precise dosing. I mean, we've we've gone into some laboratories that. So we're talking about deficiencies. So if I were to ask you guys, and I know you've never done anything like this, what would be an acceptable number of deficiencies for a, a laboratory? Well, we wouldn't know. Yeah. No. So typically you're somewhere between 10 and 20. Right. So I've gone into recent laboratories. Uh, I was in one two weeks ago. They had 85. Wow. That's a lot. The train had just come off the tracks. Yeah, that's way over. <laughs> yeah. So you just revoke their certification then? So in a situation like that, we come back to our office and we do have meetings to look at it. How severe is this? Are they producing unsound technical data? And then, yes, we can suspend their accreditation. Anytime there's evidence of fraud, we can immediately revoke their accreditation and not give them any chance to really come back. Fraud yeah. is a really big one, and we hardly ever see that because fraud is intentional. Right. Most labs will say we were just incompetent. We didn't mean to do yeah. it so badly. That's my question. Could it be, you know, they just they just didn't know what they were doing or they didn't have the machine calibrated? It's quite possible. And in this industry, there are so few validated methods to run. So right. it's still a young industry. And most of these cannabis labs are taking methods that were meant for another industry, like food testing. Because mm -hmm. if you're testing edibles, you're generally going to be using a, a food testing method, but they don't suitably validate it for gummies they, or tinctures and so forth. So they're running a method, kind of massaging it as they go, but it's got to be fully validated before you start giving uh, results to a, a grower, to the state that they're using to approve your product. Do you ever like what, walk in these labs and say, especially in the cannabis industry because there's so many investment dollars. Like, that's just overkill. Why'd they spend so much money on this? There's a lot of money being spent on instrumentation for sure. Right, and they don't necessarily need it? Well, they need it yeah. if they're going to be a high-throughput lab. But that's part of what's collapsing right now in the cannabis industry is so much money was put into it from the beginning, both on the grower side, on the testing side, on the dispensary side. And now regulations have gotten a little tougher in specific states that it's making that investment you're not getting a return on it so a lot of the growers are being forced to shut down you're seeing yeah. laboratories shutting down and or being bought out by the bigger laboratories and that that's kind of what we fear will happen a, a bad thing that could happen if it goes federally legal is you'll have the big food testing organizations will eat up all of these once it's federally legal. Cause right now they don't want to touch it mm -hmm. if, well, it's because if they're doing work in different countries, they just don't want to mess that with that. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting to see what's coming is it looks more and more likely eventually it will go federally legal. Right. Mm -hmm. and, how, and how will that impact you guys? How will it impact your business? I mean, what's going to happen to all these little labs? That's, it would that, be better for them, no? Because then you get more business. It, more labs it, to it, it could go either way. Because if, right. if you've got the, all the small mom and pop shops out there, they'll probably get bought out yeah. by the bigger bigger companies that are now that it's federally legal and they, they have safe, safe Banking Act and so forth. They can really get more involved in that. But, you, but I, I still think, even though it'll be federally legal, the states individually will set different regulations, which makes it tough on the laboratories because right. you know, the pesticide limits in California are right. going to be different than they are in New York or in the middle of the country. Right. I had a solution to that. Yeah. So I told my friend who has a lab, I, I said, if I were you, I would get over to the federal level. It's tough, 
because there's no way one way or the other. I would make sure that I hire lobbyists that said that as soon as possible, that samples for testing can be shipped across state lines and it's legal to, to ship testing samples so that even if we don't have federal legalization, that you can have testing samples going across state line, you can increase your business. And he's like, well, that will also increase my competition. I'm like, oh, damn it. It certainly will. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, well, that, yeah, like that maybe, guy in, in maybe that didn't work, but it's logical, right? It, it is. But we you know? see it happening now and their labs are getting caught doing that. Yeah. That, no, but if it was legal, you know what I'm saying? Typically you can subcontract work to another lab if, if you need some help with it. So you may send it to a different state. But right now we've seen some labs sending samples across state lines. Is there like that, that gray area for that? I mean, there's nothing we can do about it as an accreditation body because, again, we're not a federal regulatory authority. But if we know it's happening, we would have to pull their accreditation because they are doing something that is federally illegal. Mm -hmm. They're starting to find ways to, I won't say get around it, but you can digest a sample before you ship it. So if you're testing for THC, you can do an acid digestion, which basically is destroying the active THC, but it can still be measured. So they can send it across the state line then and have another lab test it. So their labs are finding a way to still be able to get help. Um, but once it goes federally legal, it's going to help with proficiency testing samples as well, which labs are required to do, but they can't get proficiency testing samples sent to them that are of a high enough THC content to be valuable because they can't ship it. How does this work in alcohol with like proofs? Like where, where does the proof get tested? See, that's a, that's the odd thing is we've tried to get into the alcohol testing industry, but they're not required to be accredited. But what you see in alcohol production is it is extremely stable. So if you, if you're talking about like Budweiser, they have 18 plants across the country. Right. Every bottle of Budweiser tastes the same, no matter where it was, where it was produced. Mm-hmm. It's very stable. So they've shown they've, they've got good systems in place. Right. What, we, what we've actually tried to approach is the microbrewery boom is huge. So they generally do have in-house laboratories, but it's been hard to convince them why they should be accredited to test what they're testing. But we are trying to... To get into that as well, but like, like state by state, who does the testing on on that on on the proofs? Like they're not required to test. Probably in, some in house stuff. It's mostly in house for the big big companies. Yeah. we'll do it in house. Interesting. Wow, that that's amazing. Well, that's we. Why, I mean, you really don't have to have a whole lot of trust in the ABV content on a lot of them because it some of the times it is an estimate, uh, and and the the way that. they test it is a little rudimentary, but it. It's close enough. Well, you know a lot about your subject, man. And, uh, I mean, American Association for Laboratory Accreditation, uh, it's a, it seems like an excellent organization to be uh, involved with and be aware of. Uh, any closing thoughts for the audience? Oh, we really appreciate it. We, we love coming out and seeing all the scientists, all the good science that is being done in this industry. Because it, it does help us. It legitimizes everything that we're doing, and it gives the, the labs a lot of tools that they need. They need validated methods. They need confidence. They need research dollars being pun- pushed into this industry federally, which mm-hmm. looks like it's finally happening, but it's still a slow roll. So we're excited to see what's next. Well, well if there's anything ever we can do to help you, let us know. And uh, we appreciate you being here in Emerald Scientific. It's a great conference, a lot of cool, interesting people. And knowledge. I, I mean... Uh, 
I feel like the luckiest person in the world just sitting here listening and learning and Many asking brains. questions. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. These sessions are great. We always look forward to coming to, our, to Emerald. Yeah, no, it's like, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, Thank you so much. And how, how do people reach out to you? Are you, are you on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. Uh, Chris Gunning, and we'll, we'll put the name up here somewhere. Sure. This is Chris Gunning, G-U-N-N-I-N-G, and he's on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Where we've got president, our website is A2LA.org. Very simple. Yeah. Gives information on all of our different programs, and I'd be happy to talk with anyone. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Meet Unshackled. Shackle. <laughs>